It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the work of the ministry, right? So I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, we need preachers. We need pastors. It's very clear we need all that. The problem is we've made that the focus of discipleship. And there's no way that one pastor or even a bunch of church staff can disciple a congregation. It's impossible. You can't do it. You you only have so much bandwidth. And so until we decide that the only way to have a church that uh, has discipleship at its core is to decentralize. Let's do this. I am back with Noah Smith. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one of the the discussion on the church, uh, make sure you go back and do that. I think uh, it it can be uh, challenging and very good and and provoke thought, if nothing else. And so this is part two. Noah, welcome. Thanks for coming back, buddy. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm here. Yeah. Well, you guys will probably see, uh, if you're watching on video, which obviously... um, we, if you're watching on video, it's because we're on YouTube, and uh, that you'll see that we look the same and, and such. So this was recorded on the same day, so but we did it in two parts. So uh, let's just dive back into this this uh, discussion on the church. Um, when we left off, uh, we were just talking about you know the habits around not being in church or putting other things above it and and such, and and then you you posed the question towards the end of. What does a church look like if it's missing discipleship? And you yeah, pose that I think question to me. Yeah, I, I I think that is part of the frustration that I had is you know just going. I can't continue to give so much of my time where there's not real genuine discipleship or even a a pathway towards it because if all we're doing is um, as the church universal, I'm not saying specific churches, I'm saying as the church, if all we're doing is getting people to, to sell our product, but our product is not Jesus Christ and um, intimacy with him, uh, intentional relationships, then what are we doing? Yeah. And so, which got me on this whole track with ordinary men in our discussion is this has got to make a huge this has got to make impact in the church because the church right now is addition and Jesus mind is multiplication. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that uh, individually God gives us different, I think all of us are supposed to reach the loss and officers are supposed to be disciples and make disciples. I truly believe that. I think that God burns a flame in each of us differently and maybe at different levels. I know some people, that are highly, highly uh, uh, focused and really great at, at, at reaching lost. And then, like for myself, I feel like, can you guys, can you hear that dog barking? <laughs> no, oh, wait. <laughs> There's a dog barking. No, right at me. Um, anyhow, um, and then like for myself, I feel like a flame for discipleship. And that reminds me of something that Paul says. I think it's... Gosh, I don't know. I don't want to quote it, but I think it's Philippians. But anyhow, he says, um, Apollos, uh, I I do the planting, Apollos does the watering, but only God does the growing. And so I think we, we, we need to have freedom in the fact that <clears throat> some of us are called to be more e- 
evangelists and others more discipleship-minded, but we're all called to do both, right? And certainly I think the church is called to do both. I was talking about individuals. The church is clearly called to do both. And there are churches that are very, very focused on reaching the lost, which I think is great. But in some of those churches, the front door and the back door are the same size or very similar. And what I mean by that is they'll have 500 people saved, but the attendance will only grow by 100 people. It's like, well, where did those 400 people go, (laughs) you know? And it's not really a laughing matter, but it's a question to be asked. And and church, certainly a church can grow at a much greater speed if the focus is more on e- evangelism and, and reaching the lost. And discipleship is a much heavier lift and probably a nut that many churches haven't cracked. I'm hoping that ordinary men and ordinary women either can be a tool in itself or that something can come from it that will be a tool for churches so that we can help them crack that nut. And here's part of the problem, I believe, is that um, getting someone from lost to saved, I'm not saying is an easy thing. I mean, the Holy Spirit has to do it, obviously, both in discipleship and that. But, but it can happen in a pretty quick amount of time, uh, maybe in one, in one time in church, right? Uh, discipling someone from infancy to maturity <laughs> is a very long and tedious and, and hard process. And... Um, as Dr. John Chandler says, it's been on the podcast. He says discipleship is easy but hard. No, is what was he say? It's um, difficult. Uh, it's simple. It's simple but hard. <clears throat> and it is simple. We know what what discipleship is supposed to be. It's supposed to be living life together and pointing people to Jesus. But the actual act of it is very hard. And because of that, I think uh, a lot of churches don't succeed in it. And that's not me poking at them at all. I I understand why. I think part of the reason why is the church model. And this gets us back into where we were. I think the church model is a, is a top down funnel type model. It's uh, we want to get people in and we want to funnel them into this, you know, you get further and further into the cycle of church. And then the bottom of the funnel is probably you're a deacon or an elder or somewhere in the above that is you're volunteering and you're in life groups or, you know, we're putting people through a funnel but that funnel is all being led usually by one person or a couple people, um, almost like we're, we're going to watch the ringleader every, <laughs> every Sunday. It's like, oh, here's a ringleader, let, watch him perform. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. The, the Bible makes it very clear in Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians 4. It, it, it says that, that, you know, obviously, I'll look it up. I mean, we've been given, uh, th- those were given to the church, uh, pastors, preachers, teachers. Uh, bear with me one second. Yeah, Ephesians 4. Uh, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the work of the ministry, right? So I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, we need preachers. We need pastors. I mean, it's very clear we need all that. The problem is we've made that the focus of discipleship, and there's no way that one pastor or even a bunch of church staff can disciple a congregation. It's impossible. You can't do it. You can. You only have so much bandwidth, and so until we decide that the only way to have a church that uh, has discipleship at its core is to decentralize a portion of leadership. I'm not saying decentralize the pastor. The pastor is still the pastor. Elders are still the elders, but decentralize the work of the ministry to those in the congregation 
and expect them to be disciples and make disciples. I think until you do that, you won't have a church that, that is full of disciples because it can't, you can't just, it goes back to what we say a lot, discipleship's more caught than taught. You can't just teach it every Sunday morning and expect people to do it. Discipleship is something that people catch more than you teach them to do it. And so people that in my life that I've seen that I've discipled that have been become disciples and made disciples, it came from catching what I did and how we did it more than me telling them they should do it. So right now we have a lot of churches saying, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, as, as far as discipleship is concerned, which is great, but at some point we have to model it. And I think that has to happen through the congregation, not just the pastor. So wouldn't most churches say, well, well yeah, our discipleship is small groups. That's what, how we do it. Like we, we ask people to be small group leaders and their, their, their job is to disciple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. It's what they say, but do you think that that's actually happening? Oh, they're small groups, yeah. <laughs> are you asking Answer if I think question. that's... That's you, so political of you. <laughs> no, I'm making you ask it. Are, are you asking me if that's discipleship? Yeah. I think it, I think it is and it isn't. I, I think it's the beginning of it. I, I, think, I think it's not because... <clears throat> I just was reading, I don't know the exact verse, is in Matthew, when Jesus chose his 12, you know. Um, he didn't say, hey guys, I'm, I'm starting this discipleship. I want to start this discipleship thing. I'm the Lord, you know, and if you guys want to join this thing, you know, we're going to be friends. And No, he went out and found, he invited them, specifically invited them. I think discipleship is best done when, when you invite people into it. Versus, hey, we have a sign-up sheet. Because what, what I find is that discipleship works best when it's done with people you're already doing life with. And I think that's one of the, the, the things in Ordinary Men that has created a lot of traction is you're, you're inviting people. You're not just putting a post on Facebook that says, hey, anybody wants to join can join. Now, we may have groups like that in the future. That's fine. <clears throat> but it better be led by somebody that's a really strong leader and somebody that's discipled a lot of people in the past. Because that's going to be a harder group to lead than people that already have a bit of a, of a, of a relationship. And so um, I think what happens in, in, in small groups and churches, we're kind of going, <laughs> this is not where I'd plan to go, but this is good. Uh, I think um, what happens in small groups of churches is I think the intention is great. And, and I think, I, yeah, I think the, I, I led them. <laughs> I was a small group leader for years, and I'd been in small groups for years. And I can tell you my experience. My experience is people choose it based on location and a time preference, okay? So then what you get is you get a bunch of random people that if the church is big enough and people don't know each other, right? Like let's just say it's a church of 500 to 1,000. Now you have people that don't quite know each other. Well, now you have people showing up to a small group and they're just doing it because a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock is convenient and they're in the same zip code, okay? But they don't really have anything else in, in common. And then... We expect those people to be really open with each other and, and share life. Well, that's not how it works <laughs> because I don't want to share life, and I'm a pretty open person, but I don't want to sit around and share life with a bunch of people I don't know that I'm sure they're – listen, there's a lot of great people out there, but there's also a lot of those great people that I don't want to hang out with on a Saturday night. <laughs> doesn't mean I don't like them. It's just that might I mean we just have different personalities. And so then we end up with groups like that 
And then I think, so that's an issue. And then the bigger issue I think is they're usually not, they don't usually come with a ton of challenge. And so like attendance is usually spotty and so-and-so can't make it because Johnny has this or that, or, you know, um, so that happens. And then the other thing that happens is there's not, I don't see a multiplication piece. It's not like we're training people up in this specific training up of a process and saying, like we talked about with Chandler, Don Chan, John Chandler, which is I do, you watch, you do, I help, you, right. you know, I do, uh, you do, I do, you watch, I do, you help, you do, I help, you do, I celebrate. I don't see us bringing people around the square in small groups. What we do is I do, you watch, and we have a discussion about that, and then you do a different one in six months from now or every quarter or whatever it is. To me, that's not discipleship. That's a Bible study. Bible studies are great, but, um, boy, I'm going down a tangent. <laughs> Bible studies are great. Uh, they really are. And know, having a knowledge of the Word of God and burning it in our hearts and our minds is extremely important. But, like, isn't it a training for something? <laughs> like, aren't we, like, when we read this, when we read the Word of God, aren't we training? Like, aren't we preparing for something? Or, or is it that we're just trying to get head knowledge because if all we're trying to do is get head knowledge, then, then count me out. I don't want any part of it. It would be like, it'd be like if you, you train for tries. It'd be like, well, that's, <laughs> that's kind of competing in exercise, so maybe that doesn't count. Let's talk about football. Dude, I knew you were going to say that too, man. <laughs> no, John Chandler said that in the, what, uh, the podcast. I don't remember yeah. which one it was, but he said the, the marathon. He's like, you're running for a marathon and or training for a marathon, but you never actually go and do a race. You read the books. You you actually – no, I even think he took it back even further than that, though. I think he said, you know, you're not even lacing up your boots. Oh, you wouldn't run in boots, but shoes. You wouldn't lace up your shoes to go and run. You're just reading books about it. It's, yeah, he said that. You're not purpose? even – yeah, you're reading books about how to run a marathon, but you haven't even got to, to practicing to run. You haven't even got to the exercise portion of it, let alone right. lined up on the line to run it. And so that's how I feel about just a Bible study. I think they're great, but like, are we, do you start it with a end in mind? Do you start it with a purpose? Like, Hey, we're going to do this Bible study. At the end of this Bible study, we have application that we are going to do at the end of it. To me, that's really powerful. And so anyhow, uh, I think life groups are, are, can be good. I don't think that they're discipleship just to be quite honest, because I did them for years and I wasn't being discipled and I didn't feel like that I was discipling others. I felt like I was just leading a group to get head knowledge. And I know that sounds really rough, but just how I felt. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think, but again, this, we talked about it in the last podcast, but this pandemic created a lot of questions and a lot of questions yeah. for myself. And, uh, and one of those questions was, you know, I saw people who I led, uh, in as, a, as their leader, I saw people returning back to old habits. Like after the pandemic hit, they got lonely and they, they started doing crazy stuff going right back to the way it was. So for me, I asked the question that I asked was number one, what was I leading them towards? Was I leading them towards a really good volunteer role? Um, or was I leading them towards Jesus Christ? And was I leading them towards discipleship? And was I leading them towards building solid relationships with those who are who are invested in this thing? 
And the answer to those questions, and I'm not saying this to, to beat myself up or feel shame. I don't feel either one of those things. It's just a, a how I want to live the rest of my life. Um, you know, and I just, it was, I didn't lead them well uh, towards those things. So I had to, I had to really wrestle with that. And, um, you know, I just think that we have to do a better job of that. Like, what are we leading? What you said, begin with the end in mind. Like, if I'm going to ask this person to be in my life, if I'm going to ask them to take on a position, whatever it is, and I'm not leading them towards those things, then I'm not really benefiting them. And when the, the, when the dung hits the fan um, and, and something really, the, the bottom falls out for them, what are they going to return to? The thing that they're most comfortable and the most familiar with. Mm-hmm. And if it's not Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and intentional relationships, then guess what? It's, they're going to return back to the thing that was the most comfortable. Where did they, where did they... Oh, you're chopping. You, you chopped up there, but I think, I think I got what you're saying. Yeah, I think you just have to be careful with the filling of any responsibility. Not any responsibility. It's not like we can just wash our hands of it. That's not discipleship. But I think we have to be careful of filling too much responsibility for people making bad decisions or returning to something because we didn't, quote, unquote, lead them well or disciple them well. And the reason I say that is, and I've used this verse several times, but it always comes up. John six sixty six. <laughs> this is about Jesus. It says, "From that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer turned back and no longer followed him." And then he says, "You do not want to leave too, do you?" Jesus asked the twelve. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. I just, I just love how Jesus is. You think you think some of the things that we say in ordinary men are challenging. Jesus looked at the twelve, <laughs> his twelve chosen, and says, "You don't want to leave too, do you?" <laughs> I mean, think about that. I, that's challenge. So anyhow. Um, I mean, even people turned away and it didn't follow Jesus. So I think there's a point that we have a responsibility and then there's a point where we understand that we pointed people as best we can. And like, like it, we said before, um, Paul says, I do the planning, Paulus does the watering, but only, only God does the growing. And so there is a point where, but here's what I do believe, and I think you will believe this too, Noah, is that when we're discipling people and we're investing in their lives through intentional relationship and pointing them to intimacy with Jesus— when they have that urge or when they do fall back into that sin or the area of life that they came from, you have a much better chance of catching them before they get too far in it and hopefully pulling them back in to uh, a place of grace. And so I think that's why it's really important. I, you're never going to have 100%. I mean, people are people. Sin is sin and we're fallen. But I think the, the percent is much greater. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, hey, I want to talk to you about home church. What about it? I was homeschooled, so home church kind of feels right. Yeah, I like it. First, I want to say this. Um, I'm not, I don't think home church is wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with home church. In fact, um, before we're done with this podcast, I think you'll find that I think it is a phenomenal idea. Um, and I would love to be part of something that would change the way that we did church in a big, big way. And, and I'll support that with um, Philemon 1, 2. The Apostle Paul says to Philemon, he says, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, a sister, and I don't know if I'm saying these words right, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, right? So he's writing a letter to this church in their house. He, don't, he never said that it was wrong. He, was like, he, he acknowledged it as a church 
in their house. So clearly home church, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and I think it's great. And if people want to do it, I highly support it under certain circumstances. <laughs> but it goes back to what do you think of this? So I hear people saying they're just going to do home church and they're just going to watch, they're going to watch their local pastor on online every week. What do you think of that? Well, we talked about it, but um, the last episode is, you know, first of all, are you really doing that? Um, but also, like, I think it promotes a more, you got to be careful because I think it does promote more of a consumer mentality. So, what happens if that pastor says something you don't like, you don't agree with? Mm-hmm. You're just going to go find another sermon. You're going to go. Uh, so, we like Rick Warren this week. But next week we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna watch uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick, or uh, because we don't really like this what he's mm-hmm. preaching here, or whatever. And I mean, I, I just think that I don't know. It. I don't think it scratches the itch quite the way I think it should. If it if it's really functioning as a church, as a home church. Yeah, I think that's my a, opinion. Yeah, I think that's a big problem. Um, you 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 hit it because you named all these big pastors. <laughs> God, God didn't call us to be part of the best preacher in the world. He, he called us to be part of the local body. And so when we sit at home and we decide, well, this week we're going to listen to Furtick, and this week we're going to listen to uh, Chris Hodges, and then you, you, you can name them, right? We can go down the line. Um, <laughs> I was about to say something. I want to refrain. Um, <laughs> but that, that's not... That's certainly not church because at least you're then you're not even staying consistent with the local body of Christ. But I am hearing that a lot. I'm hearing people say that man, they just feel like that home church is their thing and they're just going to stay home with their family and watch it and be the body of Christ that way. Um, yeah, I just I don't I don't I don't think it's church, and 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 I have a lot of reasons why, and we can talk through those. I'll start with once again uh, the book I mentioned last time, the short read, <laughs> systematic theology. And he talks about uh, the means of grace within the church. And he talks about there's, there's 11 that he points out. And he says the teaching of the Word of God. So he, th- these are like signs of uh, and the graces within church. So teaching of the Word of God. So I guess, yeah, you could check that box if you're sitting at home and watching it. Baptism, probably not. <laughs> the Lord's Supper, I guess you could. Uh, if they were doing it there, uh, you could do it at your house. Um, it seems different when you're not doing it with the with a group of believers, but, but I guess you could prayer for one another. That's a tough one. I mean, obviously you pray for your family as it is. I think they're telling one another, like people outside of your maybe family worship. You could do that church, church discipline. Uh, we'll talk about that one giving, I guess you could still give, but it's kind of weird. Uh, you're giving to something that you don't even go to spiritual gifts. Can you use your spiritual gifts? I don't really know. Fellowship. No evangelism. Uh, I would say you're not, and then um, and we'll talk about all this <laughs> and personal ministry to individuals. And I would say, other than your wife and kids, or vice versa, you're probably not doing that either. So I would challenge that just sitting at home, just <laughs> but sitting at home on a Sunday watching church is not church. Nothing wrong with it; it's fine if that's if that's what you can get get to and get done. It's better than not doing anything. But I don't think it's a supplement for church. It's not a replacement for church. Would you agree with that? It's fine if you um, Yeah, I'm trying to think it. So this is, again, Wayne Grudem. Uh, my dad and dad had that book too. I think I had it too, but I'd never read it. Uh, it was way too intimidating for me. 
Um, well, I'm just way so, more spiritual, apparently. I agree with that. <laughs> uh, so I, I do think, like, um, you said some of it, some of it where you're saying, like, it's, I, I can see that, but, or you, you were saying to, to the point of, like, um, kind of, like, you could kind of do that. And I would just say, like, I think you can. I just think you have to restructure it. You have to really, like, like I said in the last podcast, is like you almost have to just deconstruct the whole thing. And if you're comfortable in doing that, I think it's, I think what it is is it's a lot harder than than just like it's not easy. It's not going to be easy for you to to take something that's established. And it, but if God calls it to you, if yeah. God's calling you to home church, do it. But also you you have to realize you're you're you do have to deconstruct it, and every part of your life has to be thinking how do I do this? Um, and the, and the same sense of like, okay, how are my kids getting, getting biblical teaching? Are they getting it from me? Um, is that the best thing for them? How, how are we doing evangelism? Um, is, am I equipping my children to go to their schools or sporting events or whatever they do? Um, am I equipping them to go help evangelize their friends? If I'm evangelizing them, if I'm evangelizing my coworkers, what am I inviting them to? Um, if I'm comfortable with just my home church and it's my family, I can't really invite them to my church. So then how is their discipleship? Well, then the discipleship is going to be on me. So now I have to take on that responsibility as well. So it's not like, I think what I'm trying to say, Jeremy, is that I think it's completely fine um, to say, yeah, we're going to do church at home and it's our family and this is what our church is. You just have to know and be prepared that you're going to have to go into all of those areas and kind of really think and strategize. How do I do those things? If that makes any sense. Yeah, I would, I would agree and disagree. I agree with this whole deconstruction and asking those questions. I would just disagree that if it's just your family, that it's not church. A family unit's a family unit. I don't think that's fellowship with believers in general. I mean, you're going to fellowship with your family either way. I think that uh, that the church, one of the the key ingredients of the church is supporting and being part of other people's lives. And so I get what you're saying. And I, trust me, it depends on the circumstance too. <laughs> if, if you, if, if it's back in the 1800s and, and you're in Oklahoma on a farm in the middle of nowhere and all you have is your wife and kids, yeah, you have church there. And that's church, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about we can easily we can easily get with other people, and and we can easily uh, create community. With all that said, I think there is home church, and and I, and I think it's great, and there's people doing it. But I think to those people that are feeling the burning of man, something's different after COVID, and I don't really want to go to church because I feel. And this goes back to the last podcast. Maybe the reason you don't want to go to church and you're just saying it's because of all these other excuses is just because you don't like the way it's done and you feel something tugging your heart that it should be done differently. And maybe that different thing is home church. And I would say kudos to you and awesome. But I think you need to ask yourself some questions about it because I see home church. A lot of times I see home church happening because people get disgruntled with the church they're in, so they decide they're going to do it their own way. And then I see it last for about a year to 12 months, a year that is 12 months, a year to 18 months, and then it dismantles. Or it lasts for 10 years, but it's the same three couples that, that left. And so, again, I think we're missing pieces of church when that happens. So 
Um, I think if you're wrestling with the idea of home church, I think it's great. I think you should do it 100%. And I think you should follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. But you should also count the cost and realize that in order to do it, again, the way that I think is biblical and the way that I think that Jesus would would expect it to be done, obviously the church uh, came in Acts after Jesus left, but just looking at that verse we looked at last time, uh, Acts 4, it said they added to their number daily, right? So I think the problem with the current home church environment is this. It lacks authority. I think there needs to be someone over even the home church. So there needs to be some authoritative figure that's over the home church, okay? And I, I've got a solution, I think, to all of this. I, I'm going to put it out there at the end, and I hope if somebody's listening and it, and it really prompts something in them that I could even work and be part of the solution and, and, and creating something that would be part of the solution. But I think there needs to be authority over it, and I, and I have a solution for that. Um, my next question is, is it multiplying? And if it's not, is, is multiplication part of the structure of the, of the church in your home? And so if in, if in three years from now it's the same people or it's the same size and people are just dropping off, but we don't have the core people separating and starting their own churches to reach a different sphere and more people, I think we're missing something there. Because if it's just the same people five to ten years later, then I think, well, where's the multiplication? And where are we out adding to it daily? Um, so that, that's a concern. I think giving is a concern for me. I know some, um, a lot of home churches will just uh, put the giving on the, their people and say, we don't take a tithe. We don't, you know, just give where you want to give. But I, I think there's something valuable in um, the body of believers giving and, and doing something with those that capital and uh, that 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 this conversation could go (laughs) a million miles down the road so I'll just leave it at that but I will say I grew more in my life when I was challenged to give sacrificially I grew more spiritually and in my faith through that those areas of my life than almost anywhere else so if I had not been in church and somebody encouraging me and challenging me to give sacrificially towards things the the work of the ministry um, I know there's areas in my life that I never would have grown. So I think that's important. And then um, the big one for me, and this is why it would be very, very hard for me to do a home church, is are you willing to uh, invite non-believers in? And so that sounds great if you live in a really nice neighborhood and, and, and you got a bunch of friends around you and you're inviting all these, you know, middle to middle upper class people into your home and they're all normal. But what happens when you're at the grocery store and you see somebody that is smelly and dirty and maybe even smells of alcohol and, and the Lord puts them on your heart to invite to church. (laughs) Currently, I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) I'll invite them to church all day long and I'll even tell them they can sit next to me and I'll even meet them in the lobby, but call me a bad person it'd be very hard for me to invite that person into my house, partly because of the safety of my wife and kids, partly because it just, I don't know, maybe I'm just a bad person. (laughs) But I'm just saying it creates a challenge. And so I think when you set out to say, I'm going to do a home church model, I think you need to ask yourself those questions. Like, how are we going to handle all of those things? And if you don't have them handled or you can't agree that you're going to multiply, if you can't agree you're going to have authority, you can't agree that you're going to somehow uh, work around giving and inviting non-believers and 
we're going to split and all these other things, then maybe home church isn't the environment for you and you should just be um, going to your local church and trying to find ways to support it in a, in a, in a better way. I don't know. But I think, I think what you said is, is really, I think it's really critical because I think there's a couple different ways that you can approach this pandemic. One is ignoring it and just saying like, yeah, just, it's just something that's going to pass by us and it won't really affect the church much. Uh, I think it's a little delusional because I Mm -hmm. think it, I think it definitely has affected things. Um, I think it's brought a lot of questions and I think those, some of those questions, I think um, just because you, just because you got your heart broken doesn't mean you should never love again. Just because you are frustrated with a certain environment or certain thing doesn't mean you just leave. Yeah. Um, You know? And so I think that potentially there could be a lot of people who are even not just the the solution may not just be, you know, I don't want to do traditional church and now I'm going to go to home church. It could be just swapping churches. I don't really like our church anymore because it feels, doesn't feel like it used to. Um, I've seen a lot of churches grow a lot doing that. (laughs) That's right. But I I think, uh, but I think the good question is the, the good questions to ask is uh, what's the point? if the point is me just coming to a church doing an event, then there is no point. But if the point is I am here again, going back, I am here to um, help equip the saints. I am here to um, build, build the kingdom. I'm here to, again, what we've talked about over and over and over again with OM and OW is intentional relationships, um, intimacy with Jesus, multiplication. If we're doing those things, as, as which are biblical things, it's the things that Jesus asked us to do, then we're a church. Yeah, I, I just don't see. I don't know, maybe that maybe that makes me really hard nosed on this stuff. But I said this to you last week. I said, you know, I I don't know that can a church really be a church if they're not about discipleship? Because I don't know that it can be. Um, it's literally what Jesus asked us to do. Go make disciples. I think it can. Baptizing. I think it can. It probably just isn't. It probably just isn't meeting every. I mean, I don't think we can be too critical. I mean, I think it's still doing a lot of great. There's a lot of great fruit. <clears throat> I don't think it's. I don't think it's meeting the the big the big thing. But yeah, I, I, it's still a church. <clears throat> Gruden talked about that too. Um, uh, I'm not going to get into it, but he, he just talks about there's kind of a scale, uh, and then you can – it gets legal, legalistic. He starts judging it based on what they do and how they do it. And, uh, but I, I still So we think, can give a number. It's like a <laughs> yeah. number seven. This church is a number seven. Yeah, that's great. On the Grunham scale. Yeah, that goes really, that goes really well. <laughs> Start judging. Um, well, here – hey, this is a, a real problem. Um, I just looked at my computer. We have 4% left on my battery. Nice. And I started with a full battery, so that explains the whole debacle we had earlier if you listen to the first podcast. Let me, let me bring this home real fast so we don't, we don't just run out of time. Here's my big point. I feel like we're missing a huge opportunity, and I feel like that we got a test run uh, with COVID, and I think God gave us a real blessing to have that test run, and it wasn't – I mean, certainly, anybody that lost family members or had hardship through it, I I get it. It was terrible. But I'm just saying, in generally speaking, I mean, it could have been so much more worse. I mean, so so bad. And so I think we're we're really fortunate. 
with that said, I think we're missing a huge opportunity because I don't see the church making a lot of changes. <laughs> and so then what happens when something really bad happens? What happens when it's persecution against the church, not a disease? What happens when it's, you know, so I think we need to start thinking in sense of what are we going to do next time? And I think we have a solution at mind. And that is we have a bunch of people that want to be in the home church, stay at home, watch church environment. And we can harness that by saying, why don't we create a system and a process with the church that exists? We already have great pastors and preachers. We already have the online presence. Why don't we make that the authoritative figure? So every church or whatever church wants comes up with their own home church model that they are authoritative over. They utilize their teachings through video and such. They then put together a program that says you need to multiply every 18 months. Here's the guidelines. Here's how you give. When you give, a certain percent goes back to your home church to do whatever they want to bless the community. We still have baptisms. We still take the sacraments. We, we, uh, um, we still invite the lost in. If you want to invite somebody and you just don't feel comfortable having it in your home, you can invite them into the church itself because we still have the actual building and church. It's not an, it's not an and or profit. It's like we can do both. And we can do it with very little resources. And if we did that, and if we created a home church environment, a home church model, and I put a lot of thought into this, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we could create a model pretty simple. And if churches would be willing to adopt that model, almost like we've done with ordinary men, we have provided a platform, right, a tool for people to use to, to be disciples and make disciples, well, what if we created a tool for people to use that wanted to run home church, but we still did it in a way that allowed them to be under the authority of someone, that allowed them to do it right, to allowed them to, to multiply, to invite the lost, to do all those things we talked about, right? And then it also took a lot of the burden off of them as leaders to have to prepare and do all those things. I think it would be a, a true win-win across the board, Okay. I don't think it puts anybody's job at jeopardy in the, the big church, in the local church model, that we still need pastors, we still need teachers, we still need all those things. But then what happens when we have another pandemic? <laughs> it's no big deal. We already have the right. model. And half Work our quick. church is already doing it. So now we just say, hey, can you take three more people? Can you take three more people? Can you take four? Hey, do you mind starting this model in your house? Do you mind starting? And mm -hmm. let's not call it a pandemic because nobody wants to have people over their house in pandemic. Let's just call it persecution of the church. Let's call it what it is right? Whatever it is, we'll be prepared. And I think we're short-sighted if we don't take this opportunity to start preparing for what could come, because I think this was a dry run. I think it was a great opportunity to learn a lot. And so, yeah, uh, yeah so I'm excited about what could come of that. If anybody ha if that stirs anybody's heart, get a hold of me. I'd love to talk more about it. Noah, any final thoughts? No, I, I, uh, I think there's a lot more here. I mean, really, honestly, you could probably break this up into a several series. Um, because I think, I think there's, this is, it's critical. Um, I think again, starting this podcast, I think I said, we're probably going to be butting heads a little bit. I don't think that we did. No, we didn't. Um, unfortunately. But I, I think, I think that, um, yeah, I think, I think we're on the same page on that. I just, I do think that there's, um, that these things have to be evaluated. They have to be thought through. They have to be, you have to dig in. If you're, whatever you decide, if you decide, Hey, I'm going to be in big church, like, 10,000 people, you have to ask yourself, what am I doing to, to not just go and sit, take a room on a pew? Otherwise you're, you're not really serving anybody. 
um, you need to be asking some deeper questions. Yeah. If you're a part of a home church and that's where you're, you're feeling like God's calling you to and then do it right and, and really dig in and ask these questions. I don't, th- I'm with you. I don't no, think uh, that I'm at 1%. I'm going to cut you okay. off. Otherwise we're going right. to drop this thing and we're not going to be able to say bye. No, Sounds it, great thoughts. We'll leave it with that guys. Thanks so much for listening until next time. Let's do this. Thanks. Thanks.